Welcome, everyone, to our latest edition of BAMS Radio. What a weekend of college football it was. Alabama gets by the Texas Longhorns 20-19 to in a game that is reminiscent of last year's game, too, when the Tide uh, went to Gainesville, Florida, and escaped 31-29 to in the swamp uh, as uh, they had a lot of issues on the road. Once again, that reared its ugly head. An inexperienced offense, though I think talented, really struggled uh, for much of this contest. Got to give Coach Steve Sarkeesian and staff and his addition this year, Gary Patterson, a lot of credit. They had a good plan. They slowed down the Alabama offense for three quarters. But at Alabama defensively, uh, too many penalties, but when they weren't you know, shooting themselves in the foot, I thought for the most part dominated the game. We probably did see – the most mental mistakes out of Will Anderson we've, we've seen in his entire career. And yet, he still records a huge sack. I still say he blocked the field goal at the end of the first half, or at least forced it wide, helped force it wide, excuse me, uh, and which ended up being a huge play in the game. But Alabama finds a way to win 20 to 19. Definitely a lot of things to clean up. Uh, you know, uncharacteristic, undisciplined play. Uh, they uh, got, you know, the most penalties of the Nick Saban era, 15, I believe, was the final count of penalties for the University of Alabama. Uh, so uh, we, we're going to have to see if them, turn, you know, uh, turn that around, no question about it. But still, a win is a win. Uh, there's been a lot of chatter about Alabama being embarrassing. I, I really, that really irritates me because people obviously don't remember the Mike Shula era or Mike DuBose. You never apologize for winning. And, uh, you know, and Alabama found a way. We saw more competitive greatness out of Bryce Young. And we saw uh, some guys like Jalen Moody turn in, I thought, the best game of his Alabama career. But we're going to talk about all that with our, you know, our two great cohorts. And, of course, I'm Drudy Armand, but I'm always joined by the wizard Thomas Watts, who's fresh off a trip to DK Royal Stadium. is going to have an, an interesting review of that with us today. Uh, he also keeps us on the air. He does a great job from the Port City of Mobile. And William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide, a national champion. And we always enjoy his insights. Uh, well, guys, uh, I'm going to bring you in, William. Uh, not a great performance by any stretch from Alabama. We all three thought they would cover. They did not. This reminded me a lot of the game in Gainesville last year. A lot of self-inflicted wounds. I and I remember saying on the show last week, it would be close if Alabama was their own worst enemy. And for three quarters, they were in, in many cases. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, I agree with what, uh, you know, you said when we were chatting before starting to record, Drew. I, I don't really have, um, you know, a lot of, of uh, negative things to say about the defense. Um, you know, I thought the the personal foul that was committed by Will Anderson was was one of the worst I've ever seen yeah. um not necessarily in a, in the in the level of violence just you know field awareness and, and not understanding what was going on but you know you just you know when you when you get all those accolades and you're counted on to be a leader you just can't have that and and I haven't taken the time to you know go back and look and and see how many of those penalties um, you know, extended drives and, and led to points by Texas, but I, I bet it was significant. Uh, but but like you, um, you know, I think Alabama's defense for the most part, if it had, if they probably would have just had half, you know, the number of penalties, um, I do think it would have made a difference in the, the point output by Texas. Um, you know, and, and I think uh, um, maybe the only thing that, that we didn't factor in and count on was, um, you know, the freshman quarterback, Ewers, um, you know, being able to get into a rhythm. You know, we talked about Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy, and, you know, they did a really good job of keeping Robinson bottled up and, and shutting down Texas's run game. Um, but, you know, due to some, you know, really, really snazzy um, scheming by Steve Sarkeesian, leaving a tight end, you know, in to, you know, double-team Will Anderson, um, they were able to get, uh, you know, Ewers some time to make deep throws and, and find open wide receivers. Um, in fact, the, the people that I was watching the game with there at the end, I'm like, I don't even know why they're, you know, trying to throw stuff underneath. Just throw a bomb to, 
uh, just throw a bomb to Worthy and, and, and Kool-Aid's going to get busted for pass interference. That would be my, my scheme. Um, but, you know, on the other side of the ball, um, you know, I'm still, I've still got the Arkansas and, uh, which is, is starting to look even more daunting, the, the Arkansas-Tennessee back-to-back um, at the end of this month. Um, uh, you know, I thought it was a, another underwhelming performance by the offensive line. Um, you know, you take away Jace McClellan's 80-yard run and Bryce's longest scramble uh, to avoid the pass rush of 20 yards, and that was a, a very lackluster run run blocking performance again. Um, it was identical scheme to what you saw last week versus Utah State. Um, you know, a lot of stunning, a lot of blitzing. Um, and, and I think, you know, this week it was a, you know, equally baffling performance. Um, you know, they sacked Bryce two times, but I think there was at least eight or nine QB hurries. Um, certainly the running backs, um, you know, played a part in it and, and some missed blitz pickups as well. But But I think there's some – um, you know, I was able to narrow it down a little bit yesterday. It, it's it's the interior of that offensive line where a lot of the, you know, missed assignments and, and poor performances are taking place. I think 55 is on the, you know, the outer part of that stuff looking in. It's, it's the center and the left guards who's ever in there, um, you know, the, the uh, you know, whether it's Randolph or Cohen. Um, I think there needs to be some, some you know, long looks there. I'd, I'd like to see Seth McLaughlin get some playing time uh, myself. But, um, you know, wide receivers drop too many passes. Um, you know, when, when you look at, um, you know, the way Alabama came out in their first couple of drives, you know, they got points and then, bam, it was five or six, three and outs in a row with punts. And, uh, you know, take your hat off to Texas. I think anytime you're in any, you know, any kind of, uh, in any kind of competitive situation, you've got to acknowledge the, the effort and the game plan of the opponent. And, uh, you know, I think we were 50-50 on our takes last week for this matchup. Um, you know, I think the Alabama front seven, um, you know, at least in the running game, um, was able to shut down and was too much for Texas's offensive line. But on the other side, um, I, you know, we felt like Alabama's offensive line was going to take over and, and kind of have their way with that Texas front seven. And, you know, that never really materialized, um, you know, for the most part. You know, they got it rolling there at the end with the, with the two-minute drill. Um, and, you know, steady, steady as they come, Will Riker coming in and hitting the game-winning field goal. Um, you know, it was certainly a great outcome. But, but I think that trip to uh, – um, you know, one of the worst state capitals in this country. I'm, I can't wait to hear if Thomas got to see all the homeless compounds. Um, but th- there's there's going to be a lot. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't in that freaking team meeting today at lunchtime. I bet it was a rough one. Yeah, and I'll say this, too. I agree with you on Will Anderson. I was shocked to see his lack of discipline. He got, you know, the three false starts. Uh, excuse me, I keep uh, excuse me, offsides, pardon me. Uh, you know, because he usually doesn't do that. It's almost like he was over anxious. And then, yeah, the personal foul was just egregious. I thought the officiating wasn't very good from the Big 12, but some of those calls were absolutely legit. I thought the first pass interference on Kool-Aid at the end of the first half was a good call. The second one, I did not. Uh, but and, and then roughing the passer, I just can't. I don't understand it anymore. I didn't really, you know, get irritated with Dallas Turner with what happened. Because when a quarterback's, you know, basically backpedaling and trying to throw it away and throw it in the end zone, and a guy's chasing and putting his hand up, and then, you know, they're both he's getting after the QB and his, and, and you know he basically uh, it almost leaves his feet and then they, and then he, he lands on top of him. I don't see how you can avoid that. It's just sort of like physics. And so to me, I, I don't think that's roughing. I think that's garbage. It's not like he body slammed him or something. So. And then there'll be times where they don't throw a flag when a quarterback gets hit. So to me, it's almost like you can't breathe on the QB once he lets go of the ball. But again, I still thought Alabama's, you know, culture and competitive nature kind of took over in the fourth quarter, which is good to see. They finally started playing clean and proved they were the, the better team. And, and again, I hope it'll be a big learning experience for Will Anderson. You're right. He's a big time leader. 
he has to set the example. And I mean, I couldn't believe he turned to the official and asked, what did I do? Because this is not the NFL. As soon as the guy hits the ground, it's a dead ball. So I was quite frankly shocked because, and you brought up a good point, William, if he doesn't get that penalty, which ended up leading to a field goal, because Texas would have had a third and long with a limited quarterback that was already banged up. And then with one of his uh, false starts, uh, or excuse me, offsides penalties, I keep saying that, but one of his uh, offsides penalties in the first half, that led to a field goal, or excuse me, a touchdown actually for Texas uh, because they ended up, I think they would have punted. It would have been like, because the great play by Jalen Moody and great anticipation reading his keys, it would have been a, fourth down in about seven or eight I think Sark would have punted and uh, that ended up leading to a touchdown so Will Anderson two of his mistakes led to 10 points I mean you're right Alabama might not have given up double digits if Will Anderson hadn't made those two mental errors so I thought you know they just have to get out of their own heads calm down and play football and I think defensively they'll be fine but you know the competition at corner is going to be ongoing we didn't see much of Eli Ricks uh, certainly Kyrie got replaced by Terry on Arnold. And I thought Terry on played well, Kool-Aid competed out there. I mean, these guys are young, they're going to make mistakes. Uh, but I thought the, you know, for the most part, the safeties played well, though you did have a face mask that wasn't called against Jordan battle and a face mask that was called against Helms. But there was plays that Texas got away with. They held Burton one time that could have been a big pass play when Alabama was backed up. And so, and Alabama was also fortunate uh, to not get called for, uh, you know, safety and intentional grounding on that sack, uh, near sack in the end zone where Bryce was trying to get rid of the ball. But again, it's just one of those things. I thought Alabama uh, found a way to win. Sometimes you have to do that uh, to get to, you know, to, to kind of grab you know, uh, victory from the jaws of defeat. And they did it. And I thought uh, hopefully it's going to be a wake up call for some of these guys. I was disappointed in the wide receivers. I thought they had way too many drops. Uh, Isaiah Bond had a deep ball he could have brought in, did not catch it. Burton had a drop, uh, certainly. Uh, and, you know, I, I thought at times they didn't win one-on-one -on -one battles like they needed to. Kobe Prentice, you know, he, he, he needs to be able to realize they're in zone. You sit down in the hole, you, you know, you don't keep running the route because it made Bryce, because Bryce was thrown to a spot and it made the, the pass inaccurate. So that was another mental mistake. But again, I, I think what we didn't count on and what I should have thought about was this is an offense that's got a lot of new first-year starters, both transfers and, and newcomers. And, you know, they was going on the road for the first time. They didn't handle it well. Hopefully they're going to learn from it. I totally agree with you about the trip to Arkansas. That looks like it could even, to me, the football teams that we've seen early, that could be the, the most strenuous test because Sam Pittman's team looks outstanding. They physically mauled South Carolina at home. They've already beat a good Cincinnati team. So it's going to be really interesting to see how much better they can get. And Drew Sanders had an unbelievable game, 11 tackles and two sacks. And I knew that guy was a stud. Wished he could have stayed at Alabama, even though you've got to, you know, give a lot of respect for how, you know, Jalen Moody has played thus far. But again, I mean, it's it just a lot of things to clean up, but I still think a lot of upside. And I wanted to bring Thomas into the conversation. And Thomas, before you give your review of DKR and your experience with your mother on the road uh, with the Texas Longhorns, I wanted you to kind of give the listeners your thoughts on Bryce. You got to see some of his magic, you know, up close. He did it again. And I made this statement to some friends of mine as I watched the fourth quarter and, and it unfolded the way it did. I love to, uh, everybody knows that. I've had mad respect for Mac, a big fan of his, but I've made up my mind. Nine is the best of them all. He's the most poised I've ever seen. And that scramble he made to avoid the blitz and run for 21 yards, neither one of them could have done that. I'm talking about Mack and Tua. This guy is amazing. He stands in, he takes hits, uh, and he seems to be a guy that can take a shot and is durable. Bryce Young is an amazing special football player, Thomas. He certainly is, Drew. And the thing that this game encapsulated for me is how good the 2020 Alabama team was. And I know that's kind of a, that's, that's a hard left. What I mean is that group was so put together from offensive line to wide receivers to quarterback to running backs to even offensive play caller and scheme that 
you never had to worry about going out and scoring. Now, a lot of those players have moved on. I, I think you could argue that Devontae Smith is the greatest wide receiver college football has ever seen. Alabama doesn't have that. They just don't. Fans were asking me, it was kind of weird to be getting like DMs on Instagram or text messages in the middle of that Austin Inferno. I was there. What's going on? What's going on? And my reply is, I'm like, well, currently I'm shaking hands with God. So the, sm- the, the small people in the white are not doing this against the small people in the burnt orange was, was you know, roughly my reply. But really, when you look at the, the issues on offense, the offensive line has been discussed. I think that's going to be a work in progress. And in a lot of ways, I guess we shouldn't be surprised Wolford can fix it, but Wolford has a large job because Doug Marone was probably Nick Saban's worst hire. Uh, from what you hear coming out of the building, dude just kind of showed up and was kind of doing the thing, kind of doing the thing, not doing the thing, not doing a good job of developing. And that's really damning. So Wolford's got a big job ahead of him, and the offensive line struggled for large swaths of that game. The thing that blew my mind, though, was wide receivers pretty consistently not winning or not understanding what the defense was doing. The point of the Bill O'Brien motions, nine times out of ten, is to give Bryce Young a clue as to whether it's zone or it's man, or if it's some kind of pattern match zone, which Alabama does a ton of. And that cue was read by Bryce Young pretty frequently. But the wide receivers struggled to win one-on-one, so Bryce Young didn't have anywhere to go, so either he had to take off or he ate a sack. So it was, it was an amalgamation of issues that really caused the Alabama offensive stagnation for roughly two and a half quarters. But to your point, and again, I was in the stadium, you could feel it when Alabama started to wake up. When Alabama, you know, maybe 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Alabama started, you know, you, I actually watched the right side of the Alabama offensive line and I'm not sure if they showed this on the telecast, but the right side of the Alabama offensive line just absolutely blasted somebody. And the person that got blasted took exception to it. And jawing started. And Latham and uh, you're going to have to help me out, Drew, Echior. Emil Echior, Thank yeah. you. They were, they were clapping, and they do the, the forearm high five, essentially. And I'm like, uh-oh. We, I turned to my mother, and I'm like, uh-oh, we might have something. Alabama would go in and score on that drive. And then the fourth down, look, I get that Roydell might be a little bit bigger, but, you know, read the room. Jameer Gibbs had been the one constant on offense outside of Bryce Young. But, you know, Jameer Gibbs had been the one constant. I'll trust that guy, even though he's undersized, to go get me six inches. I think he's earned that even in, at the time, seven and a half quarters of play in a Crimson Tide uniform. But, you know, overall, Drew and William – my general takeaway was if I what I'm looking for against ULM or against Arkansas, you know, moving forward, et cetera, this to me was a self-scout opportunity. Like this pretty much, you know, put in giant red letters over Bryant Denny Stadium self-scout because the stuff that blew Alabama's mind last year from LSU and the Auburn game blew Alabama's mind again. And you know, once is once is a surprise, twice is a trend, three or twice is an anomaly, three times is a trend. Something's got to give, and the coaches make too much money to keep doubling down on what's going on. So, what I want to see from this team moving forward, Drew and William, is an ability to change your pitch, even if it's go five wide tempo, let Bryce Young move the ball down the field. If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. But, you know, don't wait until eight minutes left in the fourth quarter to try a pitch change. Now, I certainly understand, you know, catch the damn ball, run the damn route, hit the damn hole. So there is some give and take there. But at some point, everybody has to recognize that the pitches, for whatever reason, are not working. Time to change. If Alabama can develop that, which I think is really the work in progress for this offensive unit, then Alabama's going to be fine. The defense, I can't say any more than what has been said. Alabama, if you're – essentially, here's Texas's offensive game plan. Run enough to see if Bijan Robinson can break tackles. If 
you see two deep safeties, throw to the flats. If the safeties creep up, throw deep. That was Texas's entire offensive game plan. It worked some. The thing the defense needs to work on, in my opinion, is the missed tackles. There were points where in the stands, I'm like, Texas hasn't missed a play all game, and I'm not sure Alabama has made one. And what I meant by that was it was very common that the first defender would miss for whatever reason, whether Texas had a superior at, superior athlete or whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to – I don't want to go to over specifics. Ironically, a, a Texas fan tried to start a fight with me, of all people, about specifics in a game. Dangerous thing to do. But anyway – you know, if, if the defense needs to learn one thing, it's, you know, a little bit more discipline, clean up the missed tackles, because there were frequently times where, you know, B. John Robinson breaks the first tackle, falls forward, gets three yards. Third and five, second and six, you know, third and three are very different than third and eight, second and ten. But, again, that's also nitpicking. I don't think the defense is the problem. Yes, they shot themselves in the foot. We've talked about that. You can go by that over and over. Really, it's just – a few offensive things that very desperately need to mature, and this team will be fine. I think it's completely insane that there is a portion of Alabama's fan base that is on the fire Bill O'Brien train. And I will be very, very simple. Alabama fans, you are going to go around the water cooler on Monday morning. You're in a text message group. You're on a message board. Whatever. Someone says fire Bill O'Brien, say you don't like national championships. Because if Alabama fires Bill O'Brien right now today, Alabama does not win a national championship, period. You're not going to get a guy to come in and jolt this offense for the next five months or however long it's going to take. It's not going to happen. You will lose doing that. So if you choose the blow it all up right now, you're not interested in a national title. And quite frankly, you're a damn fool that needs to shut up and just watch the game and be thankful that Nick Saban is smarter than you, Drew. Uh, not not you, Drew, but back to you, Drew. Well, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, come on. I mean, you don't you never uh, disrespect winning that way. I mean, it wasn't a pretty performance, and and I agree, Thomas. They probably should have made the offensive adjustments. By the you know middle of the second quarter, early third, uh, but they did make them, and I think they did. And defensively, they adjusted. They started out in man, went to zone, and they put a safety over the top of Worthy. They took him away, and so again, they made the adjustments to get the win. There's a lot of staffs that wouldn't have done that, uh, and, the, and the players found a way. But I wanted to bring William back in. William, I know you talked about the O line. I agree with you on the interior. I think the tackles are actually going to be fine. Especially once Latham, you know, cut out the penalties. Steen got beat one time, I remember, inside. But the interior, especially the run blocking, left a lot to be desired. I know we saw Cohen in the fourth quarter. I have a funny feeling if he can get, you know, continue to get back and get get right mentally. And that's a very important thing when you've had mental health issues. But if he's in his right mind and he's, and he's uh, you know, focused on the, on the task at hand and comfortable, I think he's probably going to overtake Kendall Randolph. But just your thoughts, how do you improve the O-line? Is it is it the thing where – is it adjustments that need to be made? I can tell you, based upon a great source, that they didn't have a great week of practice. Bill O'Brien jumped the O-line's ass before the game. He thought they needed to be better and more physical. But is it a fixable deal in your mind? What do you do to kind of remedy it? Well, I mean – it's, it, it, it's yes, to a certain extent it is. But, you know, I, I said this last year when, um, you know, everybody thought that, that, you know, Doug Marone was the second coming of Bob Conley. You know, look, th- these guys have a job to do, and that's putting these people, or excuse me, in this case, these players, in, in the best possible position to execute their jobs, make their blogs, you know, whatever. And, you know, I, I would say the same thing about everybody that wants to fire Bill O'Brien. Um, you know, last year they were pissed off at him because he didn't run the ball enough against Texas A&M, and he refused to call screen passes. Well, you saw plenty of screen passes yesterday that didn't go anywhere. So, you know, my, my take on, you know, bashing these coaches, you know, at some point in time it, it has to fall on the players' shoulders. They've got to execute their jobs. Um, you know, whether it's Bryce Young, uh, you know, not holding on to the ball quite as long, although that's a double-edged sword because a lot of times when he does, 
he finds somebody, you know, miraculously breaking free um, and is able to get him the ball for just a head scratching, you know, moment. Um, but there, there again, you know, I've, I've talked about this for two years. Um, you know, that is a big, big drop on paper in talent. Thomas, you know, brought up the 2020 team. So I'm going to bring up the 2020 offensive line. That's a big, big drop, um, you know, going from having, you know, let's all be honest, if, if Dickerson doesn't blow his knee out, he's a first-round pick as well. So, yeah. you, know, you go from having three first-round draft picks to potentially on this offensive line, the way it looks right now, you know, maybe J.C. Latham um, gets there one day. I don't know if Tyler Steen can climb that mountain in, in one season at Alabama. We'll see. But that's that's the biggest issue. You can change the coaches all you want to. Um, they're just not the same type of players. You know that that 2020 offensive line had three. You know, basically three first round draft picks on it. And you know, a you're not going to be able to recruit um, at that level on an annual basis. Alabama went through a great stretch. You know, where they were able to get you know, Jonah Williams, Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood, you know, get a transfer like a Landon Dickerson, um, you know, come in. And, and I, I do think that Steen, um, you know, has a, has a chance to, you know, become a Landon Dickerson type, you know, transfer portal pickup. Uh, but, you know, he's not the same player. I mean, that guy was the, the heart and soul of that offensive line. Um, not, you know, especially during the COVID season, Um you know, and, and, you know, what, what he went to to make sure everybody got together and, and kept their chemistry and stuff. But it, it's just, it, it's really not even, um, you know, one position group right now, Drew. I mean, you take Bryce Young out of the equation, um, you know, the O-line we've discussed already. Like you said, the receivers, you know, got to get better with, with securing the ball and making catches, you know, knowing when to squat in the zone versus keep drifting across the middle of the field. Uh, the running backs have to get better, um, you know, in pass protection, blitz pickup. So it, it's across the board right now. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, and I know a lot of people, oh, you know, they're college kids. We shouldn't be, you know, throwing, throwing darts at them. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it, that's what you have to do. You know, the, the coaches, you know, practice and rep these guys and come up with a game plan. Now, you know, maybe some adjustments and some tweaks can get better. Um, but, you know, can can this offense get better? Sure it can. Um, and, and it looks like, you know, I think specifically on the defense, um, you know, this is a better, um, you know, unit top to bottom than it was last year. I agree with you outside of the untimely penalties, um, like what Thomas was saying, you know, there were a lot of times where you did have somebody get back there and should have put the quarterback on the ground or, you know, should have dropped the running back for a for a loss versus them, you know, picking up three or four yards. So, you know, and, and again, you know, I know they picked on Kool-Aid a lot yesterday, but, you know, man, some of these refs are just so ticky-tacky, um, you know, with hand placement, um, you know, trying to, you know, keep contact and coverage. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, um, you know, to some extent. Yeah. And, and some of them are warranted and I would rather, um, you know, see a wide receiver get tackled or yanked to the ground, you know, versus giving up an 80 yard touchdown pass, but, you know, it's still early in the season. I think there's still some, you know, some stuff that can be tweaked and improved upon. And, um, you know, that was a, that was a tough atmosphere yesterday. You know, the crowd was loud, that turf was hot. <laughs> Um, it, like Thomas said, it was this group's first, you know, road trip. And, uh, you know, but they've got a couple of, uh, um, you know, rough road trips ahead of them on their schedule that they've got to be more prepared for um, when the time comes. <laughs> yeah, they do, no doubt. Hopefully this is a learning experience uh, from them, uh, no question about it. And, uh, you know, and Thomas, I wanted to bring you back in uh, also. Uh and expand more on Bryce and what you saw. I mean, the play he made on the blitz uh, where I'll be honest, when I saw the blitzer coming in, I thought they were going to sack him and 
Alabama was going to be well behind the sticks. When he made the unbelievable move to be to duck under and then run 21 yards, I felt like Alabama was going to win the game. He put them in that kind of position. Uh, he's just a wizard uh, with the football. The throw he made to Jameer Gibbs to uh, evade the rush and then set himself and make that throw. I, I've never seen another Alabama quarterback that I think could make that play. His poise is just unreal. He doesn't ever get, you know, frustrated that much, you know, with the sometimes with the O-line struggles or with the drops. He just seems so calm, cool, and collected. And then the fourth down pass to Ja'Cory Brooks, he threaded the needle. Ja'Cory, you know, I know he's had some struggles early in the season, but I still think he's going to come on. And he's a guy that seems to always come through in the clutch like he did against Auburn. But just uh, your thoughts on what you saw from Bryce. So, Drew, I'm not as high on Bryce Young as you are just as a player. I think he's a wonderful quarterback. Don't get me wrong. What I will say is Tua Tonga-Vailoa or Mac Jones do not win that game yesterday. There were too many uphill struggles for a variety of reasons, most of which were not under the quarterback's control. But it's, it's one thing to be, to be a front runner. And, and we have seen quarterbacks throughout college football. I mean, I think, honestly, Anthony Richardson is an example of that. He has a wonderful game against Utah, and he really was the reason that Florida beat Utah. I think that's great. And then, you know, suddenly he's the next Cam Newton. Tim Tebow calls him the next Tim Tebow. And some adversity hits, and he doesn't show up. And Florida goes on to lose the game. Now, it's not a one-to-one comparison. You know, Anthony Richardson hasn't started half the games Bryce Young has. But, but Bryce Young was able to just keep plugging. There is a point where if it ain't working, you just keep swinging the hammer, and eventually the wall gets knocked over. And I've already said, you could feel it in the stadium. When Alabama drove down, was starting to drive, in the, in the, and the drive ended in that Jameer Gibbs touchdown, Texas knew, oh, crap. Not just like the team, but the fans. That stadium started getting real uneasy. Ironically, a Texas fan decided my shouting was too loud and doused me with half a bottle of water for no reason. But, you know, that's just kind of my, my, my stadium experience. Anyway, you could feel it. You could see it for, on the sidelines. And that's generated by Bryce Young. If Bryce Young goes on to be a Heisman contender, which I think he will, I think this is a low point in the season for the Alabama offense, that's going to be one of those things that as the votes are being tallied after championship weekend, the play, the touchdown play to Jameer Gibbs was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, you know, you almost have to feel sorry for the defender who had Jameer Gibbs because Bryce Young had been scrambling and forcing the Texas defense to respect his legs. So he just froze and's like, I might have to rally to the quarterback to stop this conversion. He forgets about Gibbs. Bryce Young sees him. Boom. Touchdown. But, you know, your question about Bryce Young, I can't think of another Bama quarterback that wins that game, given the circumstances that they had to work with. And that's a testament to Bryce Young's personal greatness. And if you want to put it another way, Drew, uh, let me ask you, and you can ask William if you want, what quarterback in college football wins that game right now, given those circumstances? Maybe C.J. Stroud, but I have my doubts. Well, and I, I want to add, ask you this too, Thomas. It seemed to me after the 81-yard touchdown run that with Jace, because I, I thought Jace McClellan should have been in there on the fourth and a half yard. He is to be the, the runs with the most thump. I, I slightly disagree with you with Gibbs. Gibbs had nine catches for 74 yards, but only nine rushes for 22. Uh, I thought he was tippy-toeing a little bit. There was a, there was a run on an outside zone, and it caused a third and three where if, you know, if Kobe Prentice runs the route right and sits in the hole in the zone, it's a first down from Bryce. But it could have been a third and one or a first down. I thought instead of running out of bounds that Gibbs needed to turn it up and stay in bounds, take a lick, and get the first down. But he started looking for the sideline. I think Jace is the most physical, besides Jamarian Miller, who's kind of inexperienced right now. I thought Jace should have been the guy in there to get that half a yard and move the chains, and I think Alabama would have had a good chance at scoring on that drive and putting the game away. But it just seemed to me, after Jace took that 
the forearm to the head, and that wasn't a dirty play. It was just football. I know he came back in the game, but it, I sort of thought he wasn't the same back after he took the shot to the head. What were your thoughts? You could really see, as as adversity mounted, whether it was the forearm shot to the head or otherwise, as adversity mounted, the team started to deflate. Uh, Drew, we're both in a, a text group with a bunch of our friends, and I ended up asking the question because, again – to give fans an idea of where our seats were, I have a selfie of my mother and I where you can see over Godzillatron. Like, I could clearly see over Texas's all-everything-amazing video board. I was that high. I was asking in our text group, does the team look as zombified on camera as they do from you know, orbit, essentially. And that that really started right after that point. Now, you can certainly argue it was the, the, the Jace thing. I think it was just a combination of stuff. As things started to get bad, if you, here, I'll, I'll throw, I'll bust out an old movie reference for you. I'll bust out the replacements with uh, Shane Falco or Keanu Reeves. The quicksand started happening, and one bad play led to another bad play, and the Alabama offense was trying so hard to get out of the quicksand that they didn't really understand that all they needed to do was execute what was being asked of them. Now, sometimes coaches called the wrong play. There, there's, there's plenty of blame to go around. But, you know, do your job. How do you get out of quicksand? You don't struggle against it. So I thought that's really what happened throughout, what, maybe – second and third, maybe third and a half quarter, something like that, Drew. But that's what I saw. Just from the, from space, that's what I saw. Yeah, no doubt. And William, bringing you back into the conversation, uh, certainly they've got to cut the penalties out. Uh, they've got to, you know, play cleaner football. But Will Reichert was definitely a bright spot, did a great job kicking off. I never – and somebody asked this, Coach Bobby Rhodes, a friend of mine who's been in our community in Huntsville and now is at Pepperell, Georgia. He asked, when's the last time were you confident in an Alabama kicker making a final kick to win a game? He's the first of the Saban era, and I don't mean any disrespect, um, you know, to uh, Lee Tiffin, who had a good senior year, but he's the first one that I've been confident. I didn't even care that Sark, you know, did the uh, old icing. I, I knew he was going to make the kick. Uh, he's a great kicker, and, it, and it's pretty ironic. It's the first time since, I think, 2006 that Alabama's won on a last-second kick. They've never done it under Nick Saban, which is pretty amazing. But Riker to me, is a pro, and I, I would take him over any kicker in college football right now. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you can go back to 2011 and that, you know, game of the century and, and Brian Denny against LSU. And, you know, some people might say this is mean, but, you know, <laughs> you, you could squarely put the, that loss on who the field goal kicker was that year. Um, but, you know, going back to the, the Bryce Young debate, um, people thought I was nuts last year for saying he was the best quarterback I've seen. Um, and, and I think that's carried over into this year. If you compare what he's done with, the lack of supporting cast or last year, he did have, you know, two really good wide receivers, um, you know, in, in Williams and, and uh, Mechie. But when you compare the supporting cast that he's been able to operate under and, 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 you know, get wins and make incredible plays versus what Mac and, and Tua had to operate with, you know, it's, it's not even a debate in my book. Um, I, I just think he's a, you know, that special of a player. I mean, I can remember all the the scuttlebutt before he started his first game. There's going to be seven batted balls every every week because he's so short. Not going to be able to see over the offensive line. Um, he's fragile. Can't take a hit. You know, is, is, you know, diminutive in size. And, you know, he's put all those things in his rearview mirror and um, and, and I think the way he conducts himself, you know, off the field and with the media, I think his parents uh, specifically have done a really good job, um, you know, in raising that young man and, and, you know, teaching him humility and, 
um, you know, spreading the love around with his teammates. Um, and, and yes, Thomas, um, you weren't the only one, despite being up in the stratosphere yesterday. Well, they went to a commercial break yesterday after one of the three and outs, and they flashed over there, and I'm not going to name players. Um, but you could see that the air had been totally let out of them. And, and to be quite honest with you, at least one of them, who is a skill player starter, looked like he had a, you know the look of defeat on his face. So, yeah, you, you could see it on the camera. Um, and, you know, if you'll go back and watch the replay um, of the fourth and one play, the right side of the offensive line had done such a fantastic job on that play. And, and I'm not going to lay this on, on uh, Roy Dell because the left side of the offensive line got their asses packed so bad. He really didn't have much of a choice. Um, he was committed to the A-gap. But if, if, if the running back, whoever it would have been, um, could have bounced that play to the outside of the, of the A-gap, they'd still be running. Um, that's, that's how good of a job Ikior and, and Latham had done over there on that fourth, that fourth down play. Um, and, and I agree with you, uh, um, Drew. I, I think right now, um, I think Gibbs, to me, looks more comfortable as a receiver out of the backfield um, versus, you know, being that, um, you know, donkey at running back. I, I think, you know, Jace has shown, you know, in flashes that, that he may be that guy. Um, and I'm not advocating for a depth chart change at all. I think Gibbs is a great addition and a great player. Um, but, you know, you, you don't really see, uh, you know, you, you may give Jace a, a slight, you know, plus over Gibbs so far in, in rushes, but there's certainly not much of a drop-off with Jace as a receiver out of the backfield either. Um, so, and, and that's a good problem to have. That's not a, that's not a negative um, when you can say that about your top two options at running back. Yeah, I would agree with that, William, no doubt about it. Uh, it you know, I think – Gibbs is going to keep getting more comfortable. I mean, people have to understand he's only in his second game. And remember, uh, I know it's a different position, but Jameson Williams did not hit his stride really until College Station and Texas A.T.M. And by the way, how glorious was that to watch the most overrated coach in college football and the most expensive roster in football get their asses absolutely whipped? at the line of scrimmage by Appalachian State. I mean, that was probably well, the highlight of the day, William. No, no, absolutely. And I meant to kind of change the direction about this because I saw a – we'll go back to Jimbo in a minute, but um, it, it took a couple of weeks longer than I thought it was going to. But, you know, I guess you saw where Trev Alberts fired Scott Frost this morning. Yes. At, at Nebraska. And, man, I saw, I saw a short list come out, which I personally think, you know, they're going to have to find a young up-and-coming, you know, coordinator somewhere is the best they're going to be able to do with that disaster. But I was absolutely blown away that the current head coach at the University of Kentucky was not one of the, the top names on that list. I think that guy has done a fantastic job. Um, you know, in a very difficult, um, you know, program to win at because of, you know, the financial resources, you know, the fan base is basketball first. Um, the state doesn't put out a lot of, uh, um, you know, on a, on a number standpoint, um, a lot of uh, quantity, you know, elite football players on an annual basis. But this guy's been able to go, you know, they've put, quite a few offensive linemen in the NFL. They managed to go out and find, you know, some quarterbacks and some skill players. Um, you know, it would have been great if, if Wondell Robinson had stayed put and, you know, we could have seen what he would have done over a three-year career there. Um, but, but I think Mark Stoops has done a fantastic job with that program. And uh, the fact that he wasn't on Trev Albert's uh, shortlist um, – you know, just kind of blew me away. I mean, that that guy's not going to be in Lexington much longer. Well, if he and, and he already, I, I think, I still say, I've had Kentucky fans tell me that he didn't uh, get offered the job, but he mostly interviewed Florida State, didn't think Florida State was committed enough to winning and, and stayed at UK. 
I mean, I, I, I just, I'll, I'll just say this: if Kentucky can hold on to him, you know, kudos to Mitch Barnhart and what they've been able to do and the facilities they've given him. I would agree with you. I know there's not as much pressure at Kentucky, but what he's done there has been remarkable. I think he would be a good fit. I think Sam Pittman would be, but it's going to be tough to get him away from Arkansas. He seems to love the place. I think Matt Campbell at Iowa State, they beat Iowa 10-7. to He's done amazing things with that program. I think he would be another good fit for Nebraska. Uh, I would agree with you, though. Nebraska is a very interesting situation with Trev Alberts. They still have great fans, but they've got to find the absolute best fit. Uh, Bill O'Brien has been prominently mentioned earlier. I don't know that he's a great fit there. I think Matt Campbell, uh, you mentioned Mark Stoops, uh, Sam Pittman, somebody like that would be, I think, a really good fit for Nebraska. I've heard Hugh Freeze mentioned, but I just don't know that Hugh's style uh, would fit uh, in the, with the, and, and resonate with the Nebraska folks. And so that's going to be really interesting. But I think uh, going forward, somebody like a Mark Stoops, somebody like a Matt Campbell, uh, or Sam Pittman would be a good fit, uh, but going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, where Bob, or excuse me, where uh, Trev Alberts, who I really admired as a player and as a broadcaster, I thought he did a nice job before deciding to go into administration and athletics. Yes. And now yes, he's he running, you know, the, uh, the the athletic program there at Nebraska, no doubt about it. But um, Thomas, I'm going to bring you back in. Um, you know, we know Alabama is going to beat Louisiana Monroe. I, I'm just going to I'm just going to say it. We know that's going to happen. Monroe does not have the roster to compete with Alabama. Neither does Vanderbilt. Uh, the next two weeks are going to be tune up games before they head to Fayetteville. What do you want to see the most out of this team before uh, I go back to you for your unbelievable review of DK Royal Stadium? So what do I want to see over the next two weeks? Honestly, uh, for, for lack of a better word, evolution. And, and what I mean by that is I was okay with the Utah State game because when the ones were in, the ones were efficient on offense. The ones were efficient. Were they perfect? No. But they were efficient, and they scored in bunches. When the offensive line did their rotation, the offense seemed to take off. Uh, the de- first-team defense was was wonderful. The evolution is, can both units get better? Clean up the missed tackles on defense. Clean up, you know, the running lanes, etc. I don't, if in the ideal world, when we have the show in two weeks after Vanderbilt gets their, their summary execution by Alabama, I want to look and see that Jace McClellan and Jameer Gibbs, and maybe, depending on how the game goes, Roy Dell Williams have more rush yards than Bryce Young and Jalen Milrow. That's what I want to see. I want Alabama to get back to being balanced and doing the little things right. You know, when we talk about, you know, over the next two weeks, I'd love it if there were under three drops between two games. Um, if Bryce Young misses, Bryce Young misses. I'm never going to get mad at a Bryce Young overthrow. I think that's a little bridge too far. You never want a quarterback to miss short because if a quarterback misses short on anything deep, it's an interception. If you miss long, it's just, oh, he threw too far. So that's what I want to see. I want to see crispness. I want to see execution. I want to see an extreme cutback in the penalties. And if those things come together, Drew, I think the train keeps rolling down the tracks. I'm very much so like you. I'm old enough to remember Mike Shula. I'm old enough to remember Mike Price, for heaven's sake. I met the man when he was coach for Alabama for all of three months. So I'm not going to get mad about a win. The thing that defines people, that we're, we're so quick as a society to throw aside, we're so focused on the mistake, and we have to correct the mistake. We have to correct the mistake. I would argue that the mistakes in the past, what matters is how a group of people respond to that mistake. If Alabama comes out and we can have the program next week and similar or better statistics from what came in with Utah State, and you know again, Vanderbilt, similar or better statistics from what came in with Utah State, I think the, the team will have responded the way that Nick Saban wanted to. And on that point, don't be surprised if you want Nick Saban to basically go down the roster and scream at every individual player when they blew something. 
Don't be surprised when he comes out on Monday morning or Monday afternoon, whenever he does his Monday press conference, and says, you know, we reviewed the film, we saw some good things, we saw some bad things. Because there's a fact that a lot of fans miss. Those kids know what happened on that field on Saturday. Now, do they care or not? Sure. We'll, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that in the ether. But those kids know. And the ones that care, they're upset about it. So Nick Saban's probably going to need to build those ones that care back up. And I can tell you, if Nick Saban comes out and is trying to build his team back up, that speaks volumes for where this team is going. And you know, if it translates into better play over the next couple of weeks, that's great. But to answer the formal answer to your question, crispness and discipline is what I want to see over the next two weeks, Drew. Well, uh, William, I'll go to you. Uh, I think you're in a, we'll, we're all in agreement about what's going to happen the next couple of weeks. Alabama's going to have their way with Louisiana Monroe and Little Shorty. And, of course, uh, Vanderbilt, who lost 45-25 at home to Wake Forest. What is it that you want to see the most out of this, uh, you know, uh, Alabama team? Well, it's, and I think the, the sisters of the poor games, you know, couldn't be happening at a better time. I mean, I, I was just sitting here thinking while, you know, Thomas was talking, um, not to fast forward or wish my life away, but um, all, all of a sudden now I'm sitting here thinking to uh, September of 2023 and with Alabama breaking in a new quarterback and, a year with, you know, Ewers under Sarkeesian. All of a sudden, that's a damn totally different ball game uh, than I was thinking about it was going to be. But um, let, let's talk about the here and now. Um, you know, just I, I think, A, after the first two outings, you know, the, 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 especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think they need to have some, you know, some confidence builders. Um, you know, I know the receivers are going to work hard on making those catches and, um, you know, reading the coverages a little bit better to, to help Bryce be more successful and move, move the chains. Um, you know, they're, they're probably going to try and give, uh, you know, Cameron Latu a little bit bigger role, um, you know, now that they feel like he can trust his knee and, you know, get him kind of more in the, into the, the fold of the offense. I mean, they do have the potential to have, you know, a, some really nice weapons, um, you know, it, it, the, the wide receiver tight end group and then the running backs and stuff. But, but I think, you know, you know, clean the missed tackles up, clean the, you know, the stupid pre-snap penalties up on, on the defensive side of the football. But, you know, to me, the next two weeks is, is all about getting those guys, you know, on the sideline as quickly as possible after um, halftime talking about the starters on both sides of the football, you know, getting the backups, uh, some reps and, and getting them more prepared in the unfortunate circumstance that, you know, they are needed to come in due to an injury or, or something else. But, um, and, I, and I think you'll see that, 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 that roster um, that Alabama has is infinitely more talented than both of these teams, um, you know, that are coming up and they'll, they'll both, uh, you know, give them a chance. Cause, you know, I think we're starting to see more and more, um, especially if they can keep the, the momentum going that they've built up after uh, the first two weeks. I mean, that trip to uh, Fayetteville is starting to look more and more ominous as time goes on, Drew. It is, no question about it. And uh, we're definitely going to have to see Alabama improve uh, in all three aspects. I mean, Burnup had a decent day, but he's going to have to, you know, to clean it up a little bit, get some better hang time. But I, I will say, too, uh, you don't want to have to punt as much as Alabama did. I think it was six straight three and outs. And um, let me say, I was less than enthused with Kool-Aid. I'd like to see JoJo World back as soon as possible. I wouldn't even mind seeing an Aaron Anderson, when he's healthy, get a shot at punt return because was not that impressed with Kool-Aid in his second game as a punt returner. We'll see if he gets better. Uh, no doubt about that. But certainly uh, defensively, I agree. Clean up the missed tackles. Uh, hopefully Dallas Turner will get going pass rush wise and uh, offensively it all starts up front. You got to, and I'll say this, I said this yesterday, you got to run the right route. You got to sit in the right hole. You got to catch the ball. You got to block the guy in front of you. 
everybody has to do your job. You got to hit the right hole as a running back, not tippy toe. And I agree with you, William. I think it's going to be a tough week of practice. Anxious to see how this team responds. No doubt about it. And uh, I'll just say, hopefully, this Alabama team is going to clean some things up the next two weeks. And and uh, and I can continue to revel in the embarrassment that is Texas ATM football. Uh, is and and I hope Mario Cristobal and uh, you know, um, I, who you I know you know very well. I am going to be the, a huge Mario Cristobal fan this week. I hope he goes to uh, you know uh, College Station and absolutely whips the Aggies rear end. Uh, going to be a really interesting matchup. Mario's got Miami off to a nice start no question about it but uh, thomas i'm going to bring you in as we're kind of winding down this edition of bams i want you to give our great listeners your review of one daryl k royal stadium okay so uh (laughs) as fans know as fans may have caught from the beginning of the show i did make the trip out to the game in texas i have since returned to alabama uh, I am the whitest kid you know, and I still dodge most of the sun, sun's burn, so there's that. And, and I'll say this about the trip, and I'll explain why afterward. If you take the f- circumstances surrounding the game out, it was an awesome trip. But the circumstances during the game were just miserable. And one of the things that needs to be said is Texas loves the fact that they make a quarter billion dollars in athletic revenue every year. They love it. It has completely soaked into the culture of that place. We're rich. We're powerful. We're badass. Bow before us. So this, so under that umbrella, and realize that's the same umbrella that meant the million-dollar band couldn't come to the stadium because of reasons. Now, now that's fine. Like you can you can do whatever you want to do, and if you choose to be that ruthless, then fine. I respect you for being that ruthless. But you can't be a cry bully when someone is just that ruthless to you. Finds that thing that you find holier than holy, and desecrates it. And that that's really the path we're going on here. So, as I said, I was above Godzillatron in the stadium. Now, going up the stadium, escalators, whoop de doo slightly AC, but there's mildew on the walls. Quarter billion dollar state, quarter billion dollar revenue, mildew. Don't, don't really understand that one. Maybe, maybe we need to spend some of our quarter billion dollars in revenue every year to fix that. All right, cool. Get up there, move on. I need to use my, the restroom because I'm not a big fan of leaving my seat because I love watching the game. Well, okay, there's a trough to pee in. All right, now look. I have peed in troughs my entire life. It is not a big deal to me. Uh, Lad People Stadium in Mobile, Alabama had them when I was a kid. The old gray lady still might in Birmingham. So I've seen them. I've dealt with them. It ain't no big thing. Here's the problem. Quarter billion dollars in revenue. I promise a million dollars of that will refresh your men's restroom. Okay, fine, whatever. Here's where everything starts to break down. As I've said on the program, my mother, uh, my mother went with me on this trip. She needs to use the restroom. When she's using the facilities, she's doing her business. There are black crickets in the stall and in the commode. <laughs> okay, that's a little much. Then she goes to wash her hands after doing her business. That's a big deal with women, gentlemen who listen to the show, have wives, girlfriends, big thing. They're black crickets in the sink. And not like Alabama small brown crickets. These things are like the things that certain individuals in our government want you to eat for supplementary protein. So a little much. Not Wouldn't be a big deal except quarter billion dollars in revenue, athletics, etc. All right, so that goes on. Go into the stadium, get seated. Well, I've been in a lot of visitor stadiums in my day, both as a journalist and and as a fan. Um, Walking out to FU Bama and consistent FU Bama for a half, that was kind of a new thing. Now, I admit I was a student once and I was liquored up and having a good time. So I'll I'll even let that one go. I'll, I'll just I'll shrug and deal with it. 
But what got weird is when Alabama's getting dominated, but then they start waking up, a Texas fan throws half a bottle of water on me for reasons I I still can't grasp. Like, you've been yelling for three and a half quarters. Are you a cry bully and can't deal with it? Fine. Moving on. At the same time, a gentleman who is my size, and for fans that have never met me, I'm 6'2". Like, I'm not a small individual. A gentleman that is my size tries to start something with my mother who is all of 5'5", 120 soaking wet. Like, tries to start some sort of verbal altercation. Now, in my world, you just kind of, you ignore it. Like, you don't need to clap back to somebody that size. You're just like, all right, shut up. You're, you're, you're being ridiculous, and you're an opposing team fan. And my advice to Alabama fans, if you go to an opposing team stadium, have a thick skin. You're going to hear things. All right, fine. So, this completely ignores the fact that Daryl K. Royal, who, quarter billion dollar in revenue athletic department, looks like a Lego Masters fever dream. Texas A&M spent half a billion dollars to make their stadium look great. Well, I'm pretty good at the mathematics thing. And if you divide 500 by 2, that's 250. How many times have I said 250 during this soliloquy? I'm just going to say a couple and leave it at that and let our, our listeners do the math from there. So it's it turns into the Texas fan base is – the richest poor cry bullies I've ever interacted with. And this completely ignores the fact that a gentleman, as I'm just walking back to the hotel that I was staying in, he decided to try and start a fist fight with me. Now, uh. this, this gentleman was the size of my mother. Oh, Lord. Now, now, now look, I, I, I am not the most fit, jacked guy ever. I get that. But come on, man. Like, act like you've been there before. And that really un- sums up the whole Texas fan base. Outside of 2005 and 2009, do you know that, the, that Texas doesn't have, has, doesn't have any Big 12 titles? Their, oh, last, they're, they're their last major title run was in the old defunct Southwest Conference, which they ruled. Congratulations. So what? If I had to listen before Nick Saban to one more, what do a maggot and a Bama fan have in common jokes? I think I would jump over the moon. I would figure out a way to do it with just my two feet. So, you know, guys, I don't know why we want Texas in the SEC. They're a colossal pain in the ass. They're egomaniacal cry bullies. And for the first time, I have had a great time at every visitor stadium. Every visitor fan base has been wonderful. Texas A&M, their coaching staff can rot in hell. Love their fans. I'll, 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 do, I'll, get, I'll say that. Their, their fans were wonderful when I went there. Texas, unless it's desperately on your bucket list, my listeners, thank you so much for listening to the program. I appreciate it. Skip this one. The headaches ain't worth it. It's not any fun. Oh, and I forgot. They ran out of hot dogs halfway through the second quarter and cold water at halftime. Now, I live in Mobile, Alabama. It's rather warm here. But at least pre- at least pretend to prepare for the fact that it's hot in Texas. It just turns it turned into an experience that the trip was awesome because there are tons of little sleepy towns in Texas that are straight out of the 1950s, and driving through those was a lot of fun. But the whole experience around the game, I could, I could forget that. It's just not, not something I'll ever go through again. And it's something – I'm one of those people that if you try and start a fight with me, I'm just not going to be around anymore because when guys start swinging, you're visiting the hospital – you're killing people, and I don't ever want to be around that in my life. So, Drew, I, I hope I, I properly encapsulated the series of disasters that is the Texas Longhorn fan base, Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium, and how they treat visiting fans. I want them nowhere near the SEC, and honestly, that is going to be a thing when Texas joins, they will be consistent pain in the asses. I even had a fan laugh that if someone does the horns down to us, it's a penalty, but we can say, oh, you sucks in our fight song. I'm just like, okay, at least you owned your hypocrisy, you, you wrinkly old crazy Texas fan. But, but if that's the attitude you're going to bring to the conference, go away. That shit needs to change yesterday. But go ahead, Drew. Thank you so much for letting me get on my soapbox and just rant about Texas insanity. 
Uh, no doubt. Well, I know this has been a great edition of BAMS Radio. Uh, guys, we hope you enjoyed our review of Alabama, Texas. It's a 2019 Alabama win. We're not apologizing for that. We just want to see improvement going forward uh, as they face the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks and then the Vanderbilt Commodores. We're going to come back next week and give you our review of, of Louisiana Monroe and how Alabama hopefully takes those steps to toward improvement offensively, defensively, and in the kicking game after the win at DK Royal against the Longhorns, where they did take the best shot basically that Texas had and still whip their ass 20 to 19 to survive and stay unbeaten and continue to try to add number 19 to the trophy case. Bryce Young, another great chapter. Will Reichert, I think the best kicker since Van Tiffen and Philip Doyle uh, in the Alabama ranks. Uh, he gets his first game-winning kick. We'll be back next week to review Louisiana Monroe and give our thoughts on that performance. For William Redfish Barger, for Thomas the Wizard Watts, I'm Drudy Armand. Thank you for listening to another edition of BAMS Radio. Good night and roll tide.